0: Hello and welcome to the Feast and Be Filled podcast. My name is Joey Schwartz, and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus feast on the Word and be filled with the Spirit. We're continuing our series, Use Your Gift, an eight-part series aligned with an eight-chapter book we're releasing as a ministry called Use Your Gift. This episode, we're asking the question, what are you expected to do with your spiritual gift? It's all about stewardship. That's where we're going. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us in this series, Use Your Gift. It's an eight-part series aligned with a book called Use Your Gift that we're releasing on the website livefull.org book. You can go to livefull.org book to pick up a copy. And uh, it's a resource that we created just purely to help you use your gift, to know the spiritual gifts, to know how to practice them, to be able to help others practice them. And and that's its design. You can walk through it, read it through like any book, but it's also meant to be an eight-week uh, study of sorts where you can read it with a group one week at a time and talk it through and also practice the things that you're learning in the book. So it's meant to be really practical to help you begin to practice the spiritual gifts together. Because so that's, that's the only way uh, that you're going to grow in using your gift, reading purely reading a book about spiritual gifts and, and trying to discern your gift by just reading a book about spiritual gifts would be kind of like reading a book about the various vocal ranges. Like, are you a bass or a soprano or a tenor? I can't remember the other ones and just reading like a book on that. And then from reading the book, trying to discern what, is your vocal type within a chorus. And you could read all you want on that, but the only way to actually determine whether or not you're, whether you're a bass or soprano or a tenor or something else is to get into a chorus and sing. And in singing, you'll find what part you have to play. Uh, if you want to discern your spiritual gift, it's not going to come merely through reading a book. Now we produce this book because we believe it's helpful, instructive, but it's not sufficient. What you need as you're reading the book is to go through it with a group of believers. So if you're going through it one-on-one on one, or just by, by yourself, by necessity, maybe just pray the Lord would provide a friend or two that you can walk through it together and just ask the Lord. Because it, it's all about, again, we talked about in the last episode, spiritual gifts are for the common good. God wants to teach you how to use your gift. He really does. But so that you may serve others so that he may be glorified. Now, this episode we're talking about is, is doing just that, is to, to serve, to use your gift, to steward it. We're talking about stewardship when it comes to the spiritual gifts. And really, the hope of this episode, if, if we could kind of sum up um, this chapter and this conversation that I'm going to have with my sister Cassidy, it's all about breaking you free from the fear that could be holding you back from using your gift, breaking you free from the fear that could be holding you back from the gift. We're gonna go into the parable of talents to show you how fear might be holding you back. But I'd love to actually uh, start, before we get into that, Cassidy, I'd love to hear from you any experience of fear you've had that historically has held you back from walking in the gifts. Are there any stories or examples or or ways that you've seen uh, yourself in in that kind of hesitation?
1: I definitely have experience with this because when I first started learning about the spiritual gifts, I came into that already being super cautious and super arm's length from them. And I started learning about them more deeply in college Sorry, gonna have to. Okay, oh, yeah. I started learning, I started learning about them more deeply in college. And a teaching that I received on the giftings was predominantly cautious red, not red, yellow caution tape, pursue them with a seatbelt on. I didn't hear much of the earnestly desire them. And given my experience with spiritual gifts already being full of distance and honestly uh, I, I didn't have really much understanding of them either that I then heard that teaching and it, it in ways deepened my fear because I thought I don't okay I don't want to mess this up this is all on me to figure out and in some ways I also elevated that teaching above what the word of God says because I didn't know and 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 so that really led me to not desire the spiritual gifts, but kind of be afraid of them. Yeah. And I remember even when there were some friends of mine that were practicing the giftings and getting together to seek God. And we'll get more into practicing the gifts in a later episode. But I remember hearing about that and being so, feeling such warning over that because i thought i just felt that the caution and thought that it was a bad thing and read my own just experiences into the word of god that um that is not there and mm-hmm. and totally missed out when paul says earnestly desire and excel in building up the church and all of these encouragements to strengthen the Saints and so I also remember a time where it seemed as if the spirit was saying something to me for someone else and I shared it with them and it and it happened to be true and I felt like terrified because, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because I was that cautious and thought, okay, I, I, I don't know what to do with this and Mm -hmm. that'll probably never happen again. And I'm just super, and I was super fearful to tell them. I mean, even looking back, it's by God's grace. He communicated that because that was not of my own doing, but even in starting to practice the giftings, mm-hmm. still fear remained. And yeah. it kept me from suiting the gift. Instead, I neglected my gift. I let it grow dusty on the shelf because of fear.
0: Yeah. Uh, same, same thing here. I, uh, as you were talking, I was actually reminded uh, and if, if you, if you're a listener to this, go back some episodes and, and if you've listened to my interview with Percy Burns casting on casting out demons, uh, or, uh, if you, if you haven't listened to it, essentially Percy is a minister who's been, uh, in the ministry of deliverance of casting out demons for decades now. And so I had a long conversation with him, De- uh, uh, in that conversation, Percy brought up Derek Prince Derek Prince, uh, a well-known, less known today, uh, for but but was well very well known British theologian and taught on uh, many things in the Christian life, but one of them being demonic deliverance. And you know, I had this long conversation with Percy. Uh, now, uh, being you know some years into following Jesus and years into uh, coming into what Percy called the, the fullness of the Spirit. Uh, but totally by the grace of God. But it, rem, it reminded me that in college I was given Derek Prince books by a mentor from Charlotte while I was up in, in Chapel Hill at school. I was given a few Derek Prince books and I remember reading them. I think one of them was on the, the it was the, the book that Percy referenced. They shall expel demons. I believe is the name of the book. I remember I couldn't read it. I couldn't read. Um, I couldn't read a book on demonic deliverance I And I couldn't even, I was skeptical of just reading anything even in that terrain because it felt at the time like I was treading beyond safe territory into murky waters. And I look back on it and actually uh, what was happening was I was treading beyond comfortable territory into the waters of dependence mm, mm-hmm. that actually brought me closer to the world of angels and demons, spiritual warfare, heaven and earth that the scriptures are written in. And so, but I look back and, and I was afraid. And I think part of my fear in that was some of it might've been like, if I, if I tread down towards spiritual gifts, the things of the spirit, demonic deliverance, all of that, I'm going to lose my theological grounding, which, by the way, brother, sister, listening to this, my theology uh, has has n- not changed, especially theology of the core things, my th- theology of salvation, um, uh, and even my pneumatology, the theology of the Spirit, hasn't changed at all uh, since my renewal in the Spirit. In fact, I feel like God has only given me a more fervent desire to, to study the scripture since He's brought me into to fullness. Um, but that was my fear maybe in part, but also another fear was almost like waking, poking the giant of Satan. If I entered into the spiritual realm. So if I dip into these things, if I dip into prophecy, if I dip into like, it's almost like opening the box, um, that of, of doom and I'm going to get, I'm going to get attacked and um, I'm going to have a lot of weird things happen. And and if I avoid, if I avoid all that, I'm not going to have weird things happen. So it was like this fear of the unknown, but also the fear of what the unknown might do to me, you mm-hmm. know? And what I found since is part of my suspicion. And that was correct. There have been a lot like we've just, Kelly and I have just encountered a lot more. You can call it supernatural things, things of the spirit in the last, you know, uh, years since we've, uh, become to the fullness of the spirit. But I, I will say, um, I now know in retrospect, those things were already attacking us. Uh, they were already harming us, holding us back, keeping us constrained in fear. We just didn't really even know it. And the lie of the enemy in particular, when it comes to fear is it's a safe move to not go into the things of the spirit. It's a safe. It's the safest move to not go into the things of the spirit, and the enemy wants you to believe that because when you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you are a safe target for him, mm-hmm. and he has just an open. Target right in front of him with someone who's not covered in spiritual armor, mm-hmm. who he can attack, and he can keep you constrained in fear by telling you to be afraid of the things that would actually break that bondage of fear. Mm-hmm. So I look, I look back and and yeah, I I had I had fear for sure um, before kind of entering into these things.
1: I would even add to that as you were describing that whole experience, Joey. That is literally what I felt. It, when I think back of, oh, it's safer. it's safer to not pursue these things. it's it's easier. it's easier to be distant. It's easier to do that than to draw near and actually have to rely on yeah. God and what was comfortable to me and not pursuing the spiritual gifts that was comforting to my flesh, right. And that's yeah. what I came to discern. Yeah. And then in stepping in to learning about the spiritual gifts and practicing them, I came to be comforted by the best comforter of all, the Holy Spirit. And pursuing the spiritual gifts is a call to deny yourself and to see your your flesh be crucified and to see in light of what you're even saying about the enemy, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world and he is more powerful and we see his power on
0: display. I think I look, I look back on it and it's like, I was, I was crying out often in that season. I was crying out for like supernatural power, Mm-hmm. Um, I was cry- like, God bring revival. And I really wanted it. But, but really like it, I, in some ways I wanted him to bring revival in a way that wasn't scary to me. Mm. But when you look at now, we're talking about an ungodly fear, but there's also part of that is like, you actually do have some things you need to be afraid of when it comes to the supernatural power. Cause when you see Jesus, for example, in the gospels cast out demons, it says that the crowd was amazed, and it all. And sometimes says that they just stood there, like shocked in fear, and they were afraid. Why? Because they were standing before the power of God. Mm. And I would cry out for out revival, but I wanted a revival that was within my container of comfort, mm. mm-hmm. rather than rather than what actually happens in revival. Because what is what is true biblical revival? Revival is the falling of the Holy Spirit, an extraordinary measure. I think Tim Keller says, it, it, I love what Tim Keller says, it's the ordinary operations of the Spirit falling down in extraordinary measures or something to that effect. Um, and, and I agree with that in terms of conviction of sin, but also that also includes miracles, the casting out of demons, prophetic power. And when God shows up like that, you're going to have a sense of, I'm not on. I mean, I, you you're gonna have the sense of what it felt like to be around Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm not on. Like in some ways, I'd imagine the disciples who saw Jesus. Think about it. Feed a stadium worth of people mm-hmm. with like a few loaves of bread. Mm-hmm. How does that feel to be experiencing that? And you you have this simultaneous sense of being in the safest place in the world. I know him, and at the very same time you have this sense of being on very shaky ground as a sinful human in front of the glory of god mm. and you you think i know him mm. and you stand before the presence of god like isaiah and you said woe is me a mm. man of unclean lips it's like we want we want revival to come but often we don't want god to bring the soul shaking Body trembling mm. sense of all that comes with revival. Mm-hmm. And if we don't want that, we also won't want to step into the spiritual gifts because as we talked about, the spiritual gifts manifest the power of God. And that can be scary. That can be scary, mm-hmm. can be scary mm-hmm. to sinful humans. And yet that's kind of the point. God displays his power in, in part so that we would fear. So mm. we would live in holiness. Like that's what first Corinthians 14 talks about when it says earnestly desire to prophesy. Why? Because if an unbeliever mm. enters his, the secrets of his heart are disclosed before all that's the, that that's the kind of trembling fear that marked the church when Ananias and Sapphira fell down dead in front of the assembly. Mm. Right. It's, mm. it's a fear, but that fear sanctifies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about last week, like, uh, when the prophetic and discerning gifts are prevalent in a church you get afraid of of hiding sin you get afraid of hiding mm. sin because where where there's prophetic power in a community uh, you you step into that community and if someone is let's say holding bitterness against someone or uh, I mean, they are embezzling money to, as an extreme case, or anything, anything of that sort. If they're going in, and honestly, to encourage you, sister, I'd have this with, I'd have this sense with, you know, in community with you. Also, we have we have people in our fellowship who who have discernment of spirits, and so I would have this fear with them, and it's a godly fear. I would be afraid of walking into that assembly because I would be mm-hmm. thinking God might tell Cassidy that I am holding this sin, and but what is that? Uh, I, this is somewhat of a rabbit trouble, but it's not because it's getting into the, the kind of fear we ought to have. And Jesus said, do not fear those who can kill the body. How do we not kill, fear those who kill the body by replacing with a greater fear, fear him who can destroy both body and soul mm. and send into hell. We, the only way you break that fear of stepping into the supernatural and practicing spiritual gifts is by seeing greater fear. And what a powerful concept that where the prophetic and discerning of spirits is prevalent, people people are afraid of holding unconfessed sin in the assembly because they they have they're pretty confident that God's gonna tell somebody about mm-hmm. it. What does that do a community? That 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 sanctifies a community. That's sanct- and that's where I get into. Ah, oh, this is just it gets on my bones. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of talk, Mm -hmm. but of power, and it's it's not just talking about holiness, but what 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 about when God renders holiness in a community Mm -hmm. through discerning of spirits and power? Mm -hmm. That is, that is a that is the 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 stuff that shows the dominion of Jesus Mm -hmm. over sin, Um, and that's 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 what breaks our fear is having a greater fear. Of God. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm. I want
0: to get into the parable of talents. Do you have anything to add to that or are you good to go into it?
1: I would just say that I talked to a girl, her name was Caroline, and even as you were talking about that very instance in Corinthians where Paul says, If an unbeliever is among you and you're all prophesying, they and the secrets of their hearts are to close they disclose. They won't be able to not just fall on their foot face and declare that God is among them. And she, I asked her how she was saved. And literally that was her experience. She walked into church and a woman she didn't know prophesied over her and she fell on her face and declared that God was among them. And God used that moment of power to save, to save this sister and to know he is still working like that today.
0: Yeah. We, uh, Similar thing in our fellowship, there was a, uh, I'll speak vaguely on it, but there was a situation kind of among the body um, where there needed to be some healing, there needed to be some repentance, all that, well, uh, in our our fellowship, and everyone in the room knew about it, but it it was kind of this elephant in the room that, that needed to be disclosed. Everyone in the room knew about the situation, and then a brother and sister showed up late to our fellowship. Um, it was like a, an evening gathering and they were the only ones that didn't know about it. And as soon as they walked in, the, this brother and sister, especially have gift of discernment. And I just, I was like, God is going to, God is going to tell them and, and he's going to, he's going to use telling them to bring it out in the open and bring real healing. And that's, it was powerful. Mm. They came in, they were the only ones who didn't know about them about it. So God told them mm. and by God, t- that's where power comes in by God telling them it was made known to all in the room. This is something God cares about and something God wants handled mm. and healed right here in this moment. Mm. And power really did come upon us in, in a unique way and, and healing. Mm. So yeah, they to tremble before the almighty. Mm. And that's, that's the connection. I want to go to the parable of the talents And it's a focus of, of the chapter in the book on stewarding your gifts, where you have these three servants and the master is entrusting to them, uh, various talents, one with five talents, one with two, one with one. Now, uh, when, when you look at the parable of talents is Matthew 25, you see uh, two different kinds of traits in Matthew 25, 16, the one who had the five talents, he goes at once to invest at once doesn't think about it doesn't a uh, second guess uh himself doesn't think about all the various factors because he's not thinking about himself he's thinking about making a return to the master so he's not paralyzed with fear the second the second servant does the same thing he had two goes at once to invest because he's not thinking about himself he's thinking about the master but the third servant who uh who had received the one talent it says in verse 19, now after a, uh, or he went at once and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So he, uh, he, he just hides it. Um, and you see, actually, I noticed this for the first time as I was studying this for the book. I've never really noticed his rationale. Essentially, it's an interesting point in the parable of the talents. The reason why he says that he hid the talent in the ground, get this, he essentially says, I didn't want you to the servant telling the master, I didn't want you to profit off of my work. Mm. He, he essentially says, I didn't want you. I didn't want to go and do all this work of investing. And then you come and take it. I knew that you were a hard man reaping where you did not. sow." and the, the craziness of it is that talent that was given him was not his, it was mm. a stewardship. And, he would, the reason the master gave him the stewardship is that so that he could go and invest. Like you can think about this in modern day. It's like an investment manager. Can you imagine giving, uh, you know, a thousand dollars, $10,000 to an investment manager? And then you come back to them three months later and you say, how's, how are, how are my investments doing? And he says, honestly, I was, I was kind of afraid cause I didn't want you to profit off of my work. So I didn't, I just kept it. I just kept it, uh, in, in, uh, my savings account. Is it this? It was my money I gave to you, and I'm literally giving you the money so that you can you can do something with it and make a return. And actually, it's interesting what he actually fears comes into fruition. He experiences a hard sentence from the master, whereas what he believed about the master was not true. The first and the it's the master didn't come to the first and second servant and just take the talents from them profiting off of their work and not giving them any reward. He says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Mm. They actually share in the reward of what they invested. Mm. But but why is it at the end of, at the, end of the parable, why is it that the third uh, servant it says that he did not invest? Uh, he, he said, I knew you were a hard man, and you know, essentially I didn't want you to profit. But it's interesting, one word, one word, he says in verse 25, I was afraid. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. He was afraid because he was thinking about himself, Mm -hmm. whereas the first uh, servant, they went at once. The second servant went at once. The third servant, he was afraid because he was thinking about the consequences that would happen to him if he went and invested. And the the first and second, they weren't thinking about, they were thinking about only how to make a return to the master. And what does, what does the master do? Does he affirm, uh, that's okay. You were afraid and, and that's okay. It's okay to, to, you know, bury the talent because you were afraid. No, what he says is you wicked and slothful servant You knew that I would reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. And it says, take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Mm. Everything that the, the third servant feared that made him hesitate, actually came into fruition because he hesitated. Mm. And when it comes to the gifts, now the parable of the talents, I know we're doing a deep dive on this, but I think, I think it's important. The parable of the talents, I believe can be applied to our, uh, our thinking about the spiritual gifts. And the reason is the, the parable. A lot of people would say that's not about spiritual gifts. That's only about the deposit of the gospel. It's not about spiritual gifts at all. Well, there's no evidence of that in scripture whatsoever. Um, I believe that it the, the parable of talents, it, it represents the the entire deposit that God has given through the gospel, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and spiritual gifts. And I also believe there's there's reason to believe in Scripture that we can connect spiritual gifts to the parable of talents because Peter in 1 Peter 4 explicitly uses the language of stewardship, which is in the parable. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. I have to, it's hard for me to believe that Peter did not have in part the parables of stewardship, the, the, the several parables of stewardship, including the parable of, of talent in mind when he was speaking about spiritual gifts in first Mm -hmm. Peter four. And what this means for us, I think it's so applicable when we talk about uh, our approach to the spiritual gifts, there Mm -hmm. is a false humility, Mm. a false humility that keeps many believers back from using their spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. And really what's what's underneath that false humility? Uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not anything special. I I don't what do I have to contribute and you go and bear your talent? What's underneath that is fear. Mm-hmm. Fear that you're going to be rejected. Fear that you're not going to be it's it's no one's going to uh, no one's going to benefit from it or anything or something like that. But what, uh, whereas that, that fear makes us hesitate. What this parable shows us is actually, we don't have the right to not use our gift. Mm -hmm. It's like giving your money to an investment manager. And they said, I was afraid. So I didn't want to invest it. No, we've been given a stewardship. And Peter says, we have to be good stewards of God's varied grace. Going back to the concept that um, that the it's selfish to use your gift, I, I think that this isn't in a lot of ways. This would be like someone saying that it's selfish for a doctor to study medicine, or it's selfish for a mechanic to pop open the hood and study an engine, or it's study or it's selfish for a dentist. A dentist to spend some time looking at teeth. Of course, that's not true because what are each of these doing? They are thinking hard about their area of service so that they can better serve the people that come to them. It's not selfish for a doctor to think about medicine, but when it comes to the spiritual gifts, it's the same. Again, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not. Uh, they're not. You know these areas of of strength and or personality tests or whatever, they're means of service through the Holy Spirit. They are manifestations and empowerments of the Holy Spirit. So when you study your gift, when you use your gift, when you go at once to invest your gift, what you are doing is that you are learning more and more how to serve people Mm -hmm. better. But for some reason we have this kind of fear, and I think the parable of the talents, like what what that parable ought to do is warn us against the selfishness of not using our gift. And I also think set us free to do the work of the first and second servant is just to go at once and invest. Mm -hmm. Go at once to invest. And even if you don't invest perfectly to do something with your gift Mm -hmm. so that the master doesn't show up and you just say, I know you gave me something that you were calling me to steward, uh, a, a speaking gift preaching, prophecy, tongues, service, a uh, service gift, administration, helping healing miracles. But I just, I just, I, I didn't want people to, to think about, uh, me too much. So I just hit it. You don't have the right to, to hide it. You don't have the uh, one more thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going long here, but I, I, and, and so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the fear side, but one more thing that comes to my mind, uh, Another thing that I think holds people back in fear, Cassidy is this notion that there's someone better than me out there who could do it instead. Mm. Like I have the gift of, I, yeah, I feel like I have the gift of preaching, but I maybe have a three on a scale of 10 in terms of faith and, and power in preaching. But you know, Zach, Zach is a nine, so I'm just gonna let Zach do it. Um, oh I, I I really enjoy, you know, studying the Bible and and leading people in Bible study, but she she's so much better. Why doesn't she just do it? I feel clothed by the spirit to serve, but there's so many other people who are already jumping in and volunteering and and they have more space than me. And and, and honestly, they they'd probably do it better anyway. And and what's uh, the lie behind this is that we can refrain from using our gift because there's someone who has more talents than us. Mm. But it, it, the use of our gift is never about who can do it best. It's about everyone being faithful to the master who gave them the gift. Mm. the the one The servant who had one talent was not. Excused from investing because uh, the one with five will give a return, and the one with you know three will give a return, or two will give a return. No, he was responsible for himself to invest. And when you're thinking about it, you need to invest what God's given you. And what's beautiful, what you'll find when you invest it, is that you can actually grow in your gift. You can actually take one talent, and and uh, the Lord says, whoever has to whoever has more will be given. If you invest that one talent, maybe that'll become two because Paul tells Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Mm. So that all may see that one talent preacher become a three because he went and did it. He practiced the gift, he fanned it in the flame. Mm.
1: definitely makes me think of how much fear and selfishness keeps us from stewarding the gifts because even in my own life self-preservation has been one of the main things that have that has kept me from stewarding the gift and I've seen the fruit the fruit of actually not neglecting my gift and selfishness and actually pursuing it and immersing myself in it when i have sought after pursuing my brothers and sisters in love instead of self-preservation and selfishness because the gifts the gifts of the spirit build up the body in love yeah. and God kindly showed me this is something I'm giving you to love your brothers and sisters with, and that they may see see me and have eyes to see me even greater and a story that i even I even think of in stewarding the gifts in a time where I saw a brother of mine be built up in love was um when it was last summer, and I was praying and in, in prayer for, for this brother, and the Lord brought to mind that he, um, I, I felt like the Lord was bringing to mind that this brother and his wife were trying to have a child, and as I was praying for that and praying for that, I thought, I have no idea th- if mm-hmm. this, is, is this coming from me? Is this coming from the Lord? I, I think it's coming from him, and what kept me praying was pursuing him in love, pursuing him in love. And I ended up following the spirit into sharing this with this brother. And when I saw the look on Mm -hmm. his face, when I shared it, it was, it was just like inexpressible joy. Mm -hmm. I I don't at, wow, my father sees me because who how else would he or how else would I've known uh, that this was going on and he shared with me that, that morning his wife took a pregnancy test and that she was pregnant mm. and he and all showed me the picture and we just Hallelujah. laughed together and rejoiced together and i got to watch my brother be loved by god and be seen by god and experience god by not by me not neglecting the gift within Mm. me. And I also have stories where I have neglected the gift within me and pursued Mm -hmm. self-preservation and have then felt grieved over, oh, I I feel like I kept this good thing from from this brother or sister. And I'm curious for you, Joey, if you have any stories or something specific that you think of When you think about the fruit of actually stewarding the gifts that we may strengthen the Saints.
0: Yeah. I when you were talking about the fear that hold you back and then like how it's just worthwhile to press in, I'll get uh the what immediately comes to my mind. Were you around in UNC? No, you went to you went to state and then transferred UNC, right? Mm -hmm. Were you around when we did Converge at UNC? I don't know if you were, maybe that was right before you got here. Josh and I, when Josh came on the episode of brother, uh, the brother to brother episode on friends for good, we talked about, uh, I think, so it was this like evangelistic rally that we did in college. And on a human level, like it was a total flop um, in the sense of it. We just felt like the Holy spirit is going to fall down and, and bring just undeniable revival through this and, It that that didn't happen, but Josh and I we were talking about it on that episode, and we just we talked about like we've never regretted being bold. Mm. We've never I don't I don't regret converge uh, at UNC. I don't regret uh, yelling out in an amphitheater that wasn't as full as we thought it would be. I regret not speaking up Mm. when the Holy Spirit was calling me to speak. And that's just a pattern through my life. I've never regretted being bold for Jesus and using my gift. I've just never regretted that. I've regretted in the times when I've been silent. One example of this for me that came to my mind as you were talking Cassidy, um, I think even this book, Use Your Gift, is a good example of how God's brought me out of some fear that was holding me back from using my gift. So I was saved in 2011, uh, saved in the middle of 2011. And in my context at the time, uh, I came out of like a, um, I, I was in a Christian atmosphere, let's say, where I watched some brothers, at least from afar, what it looked like, some brothers fall deep into pride, arrogance, um, the desire for riches, uh, this almost branding of Christianity, like this mm-hmm. branding of attaching their name, like making a, a, an entity out of their name and a website out of their name. I mean, it's one of, one of the many reasons why it's not Joey Schwartz.com. That, that's one reason. Another reason is because the ministry is much bigger than me and, and will only more so be much bigger than me. But that's one of the reasons because I've always had this just I think because I watched a lot of brothers like brand their name and fall into arrogance and fall into kind of buy the the praise from from like year one of following Jesus. I had a real hesitation and, and I would say fear of falling into pride and what that did for me is i i was just kind of afraid of uh i, I was afraid of building a brand mm. um, and now that's a good fear of being afraid of like building a brand brand as a minister but i think behind that fear was like this maybe un, not good fear of putting myself out there for the glory of god and i just had a mentor uh, I've had a mentor. He's still my mentor, but uh, about two years ago, kind of pr- poked into that. And 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 this was as I actually I was starting Caradox, which became Live Full Ministries. That alone was a big step for me. Having a website, even that I was like running and operating, I had I had so much. I was fine. I worked with Tim Challey's writing for three years. I was totally fine with that because I was working for someone else, and it was his name that. Was on the website and I was serving him, but me starting a ministry and having my name on the like about link, there was some. I was like, "Uh oh, this is a slippery slope." And what through the ministry of of my mentor, God released me of that and and what He impressed on my heart. uh, And I'm just, this isn't. I I didn't think to say this in the episode, but maybe this will be helpful for a listener. So I want to share what what the Lord spoke to me right before He called me into Caradox. I was I was essentially journaling out, and the Lord, uh, the Lord essentially just gave me like this picture of a harvest field, and He said, he, he spoke to me and just said, "Joey, I am the Lord of the Harvest, and I'm calling you into the Harvest. And because I'm calling you in the Harvest, you are responsible to me, the Lord of the Harvest, to go in the Harvest. And what if, what if there are other servants in the Harvest?" who are doing it for selfish gain? Mm. What if there are other servants in the harvest who are doing it for their own name and their own brand? What if there are other servants in the harvest who are full of pride? That does not excuse you from following my call into the harvest. Mm. I've called you in the harvest and you are responsible for going to the harvest. And he also said, "I'm going pr- if I'm the Lord of the harvest, I will provide for you in the harvest. I don't let my workers go hungry. And that was that was the encouragement that freed me up to be like I think I feel like God's calling me to start a ministry, you know, and 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 I feel like I'm the one I'm, I'm the one He's calling me to do it. Mm-hmm. So I have for sure experienced like the fear that holds you back from from sowing, and I just want to encourage listeners like sow, invest, go at once, because mm-hmm. this is all about breaking free from ungodly fear that actually per, should produce an even greater fear of coming to the end of your life standing in front of your savior and saying i didn't do anything with my gift mm-hmm. breaking free from that and giving you the freedom to invest mm. and stumble like you're going to mm-hmm. get it wrong you're going to get it wrong um even in me growing in the prophetic i've i have gotten it wrong um i really have and i think in a in a wild way like not in a wild way, but in a um, gracious way. Actually, the Lord has used me getting it wrong to actually grow me in the prophetic. Because I think there's something about me uh, stepping out and saying, "God, I'm willing to be wrong for you." Mm. That shows Him a heart of faith, where He's saying, "I can actually entrust to Him the true riches." Um, if he's not, if he's not so cautious that he's going to hold back the pearls that I give to Him to give to other people. Mm. Any, I would yeah yeah, any other words on that the fear
1: I think the best way to combat this fear and and fight it in the face is to follow the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of freedom, and when I think about the opposite of fear, I think about freedom, yes. and there are so many moments I can also think of where I sat in so much fear over these things, and it's so constraining. But God is the spirit and the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. And so I hope that you hear that in stewarding your gift, there is freedom to steward it because we are following the indwelling teacher and he's going to show you and he's going to pick you back up when you stumble and fall and trip along the way. Because that still happens to me when in trying to walk, walk in these things and there's also so much joy in stewarding the gift that yes. we get to experience the fullness of joy in Jesus in his presence. He is with us. You're not alone in pursuing the spiritual gifts. Jesus is with you and yeah. that's the best part doing it with him and Mm. getting to rejoice with him and sharing a joy when you see a brother or sister built up in love or when you do mess up or you are wrong, like you're saying, Joey, to look at our father's face and see him full of compassion, Not, not his arms crossed, not waving a finger, but full of mercy and grace for us and so i can even note all the the joy there's so much joy even in the stumblings that happen because we see jesus walk with us in them
0: yeah amen amen i think about uh the, the story of david and um and i know there's several uh uh meanings uh, are are primary like the primary meaning of of the David and Goliath story god's people israel overcoming uh the, the foreign enemies through the the davidic covenant king but i think it's also i think there's something there's something in the he he doesn't accept saul's armor and like just ta- you know takes it flings it off and in not accepting the armor of saul which what was saul marked by is marked by fear He's marked by insecurity. Even when he was being appointed king, he hid among the baggage. God had called him, and yet he, he hid from the call in baggage. And so in some ways, he, David was rejecting a cloak of fear, mm. a spirit of fear, um, the, the, the armor of fear. And in exposing himself, what did he do when he took that off? He exposed himself to danger, right? Mm. But in that, he was clothed with greater armor, and it's, it's armor that Ephesians 6 talks about, put on the armor, the full armor of God. Mm. And what is the full armor of God? It comes through the spirit who is not a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. Not a spirit of bondage into slavery, but the spirit who cries, Abba, Father. And so as you step into investing, sowing, doing, moving for the glory of Christ, you're going to have to take off the armor of fear but it's such a false armor. It's such a false armor mm-hmm. and and it and it actually isn't providing any protection and you might feel naked mm. and exposed when you take off that armor of fear, exposed to what might happen if I actually if I actually write that book. What might happen if I speak that prophetic word in an environment where I might look crazy? What might happen if I stand up to preach what might happen if I step in and I bring order out of that chaos? That's that's exposing. But what you'll find there where you and you can't find it anywhere else is the comfort and clothing of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta take off the armor of insecurity and fear and everything that holds you back from going on and investing to experience the enter into the joy of your master. Mm. Enter into the joy, enter in. He didn't just hand off joy, he said, come. Share my joy. And we get that joy when we take off the armor of fear. Mm. What does it mean to steward your gift? We've talked about kind of breaking down the fear that holds us back from stewarding. We're going to get into this very thing for the remainder of the episodes. Mm -hmm. Because I do think uh, sometimes there's the paralysis of fear when it comes to not stewarding our gifts. Like I'm paralyzed by fear, but there's also can be the paralysis of ignorance, and not ignorance in any kind of demeaning way, but ignorance in the sense of I don't know how to invest. I want to invest. I don't know how to invest. Just like when I got married and people were telling me you should invest some of your income in retirement, I was sold. I had everyone tell me that, but I was par- the reason why I didn't do it at least immediately. I think I did it pretty soon into marriage, but uh, the reason why I didn't do it immediately is not because I wasn't convinced I should. It was because I didn't know how. And so maybe your paralysis mm-hmm. stewardship is I really want to do this. Like, I feel like I have this gift and I want to use it, but I don't know how, well, that's, that's going to be the remainder of our episodes. We're going to talk about the fact that you should know your gift. You can know your gift. It's not this vague force, like power that you can't nail down. You can know whether you have the gift of wisdom or of discernment or of prophecy or of teaching uh, of helping second, you you should use your gift. You, mm-hmm. are, you should use your gift. I hope you've taken that in through this episode. You not just should use your gift. You must use your gift. Mm-hmm. If not, you're not a good steward of God's weird grace, but the good news, he really can empower you to use your gift. If you just take a step forward by faith, mm-hmm. you should and can grow in your gift. So we're going to talk about that. You can grow in your gift. Y- your gift isn't static, It'll either dim or fan into flame based on how you attend to it. And you, you can actually receive more gifts. Cassidy said it often, God's so generous. He lavishes gifts on us. And then finally, you can, it's not just about you, you can actually help other people know their gifts, practice their gifts, and receive more gifts too. That's what it looks like to steward. We're going to go into all of those things in the remaining episodes. We're just on part three. We've got eight parts and it's going uh, hand in hand with our book, use your gift, which you can find at livefull.org slash book, pick up a copy, um, pick up a copy for a group. It's that, our recommend way of, of studying it so that as you're reading it, you can gather together and begin to practice what you're learning from the Lord steward your gifts steward your gifts go at once and invest it'll be worth it even just this week why don't you go and take one step of faith for the lord that's all for this episode we'll see you next week